When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good, Conrad. How are you doing? Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you uh, being with us. I think we're going to have a fun show today. It's been uh, Conrad's business on the Ad Free Network is going nuts. And uh, I, I uh, in your show with your acquisition of uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett, I thought it was a nice move. Oh, thanks, uh, man. And- I appreciate that. Yeah, nice move. He'll, he's got plenty of stories, plenty of experiences to tell. I saw you guys started off with the, the, uh, the, <laughs> and aptly named it how he screwed Vince. We did. Yeah. I felt like that was probably the most controversial topic. Maybe the episode that people wanted to hear the most. And what was funny is even though, you know, Jeff described you as the voice of wrestling and told the whole story about how you guys worked together on the whole fight and new Japan deal and. Y'all were cool. Uh, the fans were still like, Hey, is there heat? We got to have Jr. fire back. And I'm like, no, there's no <laughs> heat brother. What are you talking about? How many years ago was that? Oh, Conrad really. Uh, it was like uh, over like, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, you know, come on. Is there heat? <laughs> That's the goddamn internet for you. Yeah. They, they thrive on heat and controversy and it's not even good controversy for God's right. sakes. You know, uh, that was like, you know, here we get, uh, AEW does uh, the, the big Ballyhood event of blood and guts. Uh, the show is panned by some real loud people that it was horrible. I can't see, I can see it being some things being better than others for certain fans. I get it. And I do respect everybody's opinion, but my God, the other part of these, these, these posts are. They make their opinion known. Cool. Continue to do that. But then they got to add their shit to it. So, uh, you know, everybody's an out of work director, apparently, because everybody's got an advice on how to shoot this shot, how to shoot this angle. It should have been done this way. We know, uh, a lot of us can be pretty goddamn accurate after the fact, right? I wish I had this kind of information on the stock market. I'd be farting through silk, baby. Well, let's celebrate the the victories. I mean, my goodness, last week, you guys over at AEW on dynamite were number one in cable overall. And by the way, no small feat. You did it on Cinco de Mayo, which is historically a big, Hey, let's go out and drink. Let's go out and eat. Let's go out and celebrate. And fans were tuning in in droves to see dynamite number one in cable for the very first time. Congrats, Jim. Thank you. Great team effort. You know, uh, Everybody pulled together that thing, you know, part of that show, the first hour of that show, we had recorded the previous Thursday. We didn't voice it over, but we recorded the matches and, uh, Shivani and Excalibur and I sat in our announced position for that hour and we didn't move our lips like an idiot, but we just sat there. So we're placeholders. Uh, and so we had, if there was a background shot, people would see the announce table was occupied. That was the whole deal. And so then we, and some of those elements in the first hour were live, live, and then we get to the, uh, blood and guts and it's uh, all live. 
So it was a different pacing. Uh, I was talking to Keith Mitchell, uh, our, uh, our director, producer, and I've uh, been you know, around forever and done a lot of good work. Uh, he and I were talking, so this is just another day at the Turner studios. The only show we did back then live was Saturday night's main event or Saturday night show. Sunday night show was taped and the power hour on Friday nights were taped. So that what I'm trying to say here is, is that that's the same process we did for the first hour of AEW last week. Right. You have a, you have a edited show. It's got a hard out and you got to adhere to your times and pay attention, know where you're, where the traffic's flowing. And so you know, I told him before that show, I said, you know, this is, seems like a daunting deal, but it's nothing that we haven't done. I mean, I did it every week, multiple days a week when I worked for Turner and lived in Atlanta. So, uh, anyway, it was a good team effort and I'm really uh, happy for AEW and Tony Khan and all the, all those folks, uh, you know, we're on the same teams. It's just a, it's a unit and it's starting to get better. And, uh, you know, as it should, your company gets better as it moves along. If it doesn't, then somebody has got to be evaluated because you got to keep getting better. And I can guarantee you, your big ass is not going to live in a comfort zone. No, sir. It don't fit. No. You know, so, uh, I, I just think it was a great accomplishment for all of us. And, you know, I, I've had the, I was probably the, one of the few guys in that whole team that has been number one in cable before Jericho. I don't know that, uh, during Moxley's run there that he, they were, they weren't that hot. They were hot. You know, they weren't, I don't know. It sounded like I'm knocking them again. Here he goes. Here he goes. God damn it. Get the pencil ready. Cause we're going to click the shit out of this deal. Right. Uh, but I Jericho myself, you know, who else has been there? Some of those peak eras, maybe Malenko. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was just a fun thing. I'm leaving somebody out. So I've pointed out. So it's all cool folks. Uh, so I, I thought that, uh, it was a pretty cool honor. Now here's the deal. Here's where it all, here's how the, here's this full circle. Conrad, you with me? I'm ready. Full, full circle. About 24 hours after that rating came out, I would say you could feel the sense of paranoia. Paranoia runs deep, really deep in my heart. It will be starts when you're always afraid, step out of line. The men come and take you away. Uh, so what song was that from? You remember? I don't know. Classic rock song. What is it? I don't know. Somebody will know they'll identify it. I promise you that'll be one of the first things out on Twitter and you can follow him uh, at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. You can follow me at. JR's BBQ. You got it. Uh, Hey, I got such a feeble fucking mind anymore, man. I got to When it's there, I got to give it to you. So, uh, wait, 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 you're talking about Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. That's it. Ding, 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 ding. Conrad Thompson. You're a winner. Thank you. You're winning a new car. Really? What kind? Is it a Tesla? No, it's a two door Volkswagen. We just want to watch you and JR get in and out of it. That's oh, a whole show in itself. Like a clown car. <laughs> yeah. We see when you get, I've noticed this too. When you get older and your ass doesn't shrink, you end up backing into your car sometime. Ass first. 
Mm. When I was younger and more neat and nimble, 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 I just hop in that son of a bitch. You know, look like look like a Dale Earnhardt senior. <laughs> I'm in that mother. <laughs> the intimidator, baby. Uh that should be a name of a wrestler right now. The Intimidator. That's a good. That's a good name. Anyway, I appreciate the you bringing that up about AEW's success. That's huge. We just got to keep working. My point was is that when you do a weekly show and you get measured every week, the countdown starts a day after you get your last rating. Right. So then you're worn, wondering about well, can we build this audience? Can we maintain this audience? What's it going to look like if we don't? Uh, you don't do north of a million viewers again, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and then people start worrying about it. And so then you do, you do the show and then people are wondering, well, how's that rating going to be? And the man, I hope it's good. Uh, you know, it's like, but, and then a lot of folks don't understand the rating situation. Conrad, we get, uh, AEW is a ratings driven show because we're owned by a TV company or not owned. I sh- that's my misspoke. Uh, we're licensed to a television company and what are television companies interested in? Right. Ratings. Of course. That's, you know, I'm not saying that's how you get paid, but it kind of is when you think that at the end of your, uh, run, I think we have two and a half years left on our, our deal there. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that one, but we got a you know a little while left on this, uh, this, uh, rights extension, but I guarantee you every minute of every show is measured every minute. And so that's a lot of people have had their fate met by being on TV every minute. I got my ass whipped more times than I should have had my ass whipped on raw, uh, because the minute by minute ratings, the CJR get his fat ass waylaid was entertaining. That's sick folks. Those of you that like that, I'm ashamed of you. No kidding. Give a shit. It's, it's supposed to be entertaining, but point being, and then on the conversely, somebody goes on, you know, and one of the, uh, talking about, uh, the, the, I think, I guess in the dark side about Brian Pillman, uh, he and Austin got kind of lambasted for having bad, a bad quarter hour against Flair and somebody. And. I've never, you know, so all of a sudden that, effect, that affects their push and Conrad, there's nothing more important in your little chubby cheek life than a goddamn push. It's we true. live for it. We need it. We have to have it. And the dirt. We need the push in the dirt. Oh, the dirt. Connie, my God, is there any dirt? Jim Barnett. Good morning, James. That's what he called me. Good morning, James. How's everything in Oklahoma? It's still there, Jimbo. Oh, do you know any dirt? Did you, I heard, is this true? He loved it, man. He loved it. It's like working with one of the golden girls. That's going to piss off Dustin Roberts, Justin Roberts, because he's a uh, major, do you know, he's a major golden girls, Mark. I didn't know that. There you go, folks. So you're getting new information here. Uh, that Jeff chair don't break all the news. I got some good shit here now today. <laughs> look, look what you've already learned. Look what you've already shared with me in my, uh, little office studio here in Jacksonville beach. So anyway, things are good. Business is good. Our podcast has been doing great. You know, or I noticed the other day, we're number one or two in England. We're doing pretty uh, good, we're man. Always, we're always in the top 
six, five or six in, in, in the States. But if you look at that ratings list on, on Apple, uh, of these, of wrestling podcasts, it's dominated by one man, Conrad Thompson. <laughs> it's nice of you to say, oh, well, you are, you built a business. See, here's what you did. Conrad, you found a niche that you felt very good about filling. Yeah. And you created a system around that niche. I just said it twice, different ways. I like it. Showing your, yeah. Showing your, uh, your abilities, tomatoes, tomatoes, whatever. Uh, so, and that's, that's what an entrepreneur does. He spies an opening. He spies a weakness. He sees there's a, there's a slot right here that if I'm real smart, I think I can make some money doing this and have some fun as well. And that's what you've done. Cause obviously you have fun doing this shit because you, you're recording something about you're on, you're on, on your audio more than back in the day of Larry King. Yeah, probably. And we're excited to be here with you today. Doing some audio. We're going to be watching. That's right. Watching on the Peacock network Monday night raw from May 21st, 2001. Now I know you're probably thinking, well, that seems like a random date. Nope. It's one of the best tag team matches in raw history. It's the night after judgment day, 2001. And no, we didn't skip judgment day, 2001 yet. We're going to do it next week. Uh, but I know that everybody's going to be talking about this match more so than judgment day, 2001, as we approach the 20 year anniversary, it went down on May 21st, 2001. And Jim, you, you called these shows, but it's not like you go back and watch old Rawls. This is the first time you've actually sat down and watched it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, any frame. I've never seen anything, uh, on the show since we did it live and I'd forgotten that, uh, cause I had to do my link and add this and subscribe to Peacock and give him your social security number, uh, <laughs> your blood type, uh, the last three people you had sex with things of that nature to log into this motherfucker. Do you know all their names? Never I got it written down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a little stick figures to identify them. I just assumed it was like in school, you know, you had like the, the, the whiteboard at the front and they have a list of names and they put little stars beside it. Yeah. You know, whenever you did something, well, well. there is a system now. Yeah. It's a recruiting system that you're running. Yeah, absolutely. Over Four star, five stars, walk-ons, yeah. the whole deal. The five stars are very elusive. Yeah. There are certain things that you have to do to ever be anointed a five star mm. and, and the AARP dating world. Of good old JR. I got you. And we'll discuss that on some after hours. Hey, by the way, uh, how is the, uh, Shivani and I were talking the other day about the, uh, the show we did with Eric and you, what do you call that? We called it after, after hours. Yeah. After hours. Yeah. I was right. Uh, or I thought it was, how's that doing? Uh, people love it, man. We've had a lot of fun recording it. And, uh, obviously people are loving watching it. I saw a lot of people say it's the funniest piece of content that our group has ever created. So I feel like we got to do that again sometime soon. Yeah. We got to figure out how and when, where maybe double or nothing weekend or something. Why not? Yeah. Uh, we get it. We get Eric down here. I'm, I'm sure I could, I could sell that, you know, go to Florida in may. That's a, that's not a tough sell from Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> Probably easy sell. Yeah. Might be, well, that'd be fun. We could, we could. We, and that would give you more time too. If you, if you think about it, your massive staff there 
to get us an Airbnb that's not in Georgia. <laughs> you know what's great about you? You knew I had an Airbnb in Jacksonville right by you, and they canceled because of COVID as I'm driving screwed. down. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Well, I'm just saying you might want to get on that because lock it down. And, you know, because you got an entourage. You got a more fucking entourage than Don King. Well, I don't know about all you got that. Lolly Dawkins, you know, uh, Bull Ramos, who celebrated a birthday recently. Oh, yeah. Bull Ramos celebrated the 25th anniversary of his 21st birthday just a couple of days ago. <laughs> That's funny. Bull Ramos. First time I called him that, his eyes got, he, he I don't think he knew. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you this. I know, we're, we're, boys and girls, we're going to get to the show. It's just mine an opportunity to catch up. This is up good shit, folks, and it's yeah. free. Uh, I did something for him on his birthday that would have made you proud. I got old yeah. Bull Ramus his very first pedicure. Get out of here. Yeah. Was he ticklish? Well, the ladies had to work shifts. It was like a dumb and dumber part two. Well, you know, there were sparks going. He went down two shoe sizes when they got all those calluses off. It was a, it was geez. a happening. It's like shot. It's like, uh, giving, a uh, a pedicure to Dumbo, the elephant, those great big toes <laughs> and those nails are like, you know, this thick. Uh, I bet his wife is so happy that she wouldn't get stabbed anymore in a bed, at least that way. And, uh, you know what you don't want to say. There's that. Yeah, there's that. Hey, I, 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 I. I, I swallowed my, my man card. I'm, I had no problem get it because my girl, she massages my shins and my calves and my feet, my arms, my hands, in addition to, uh, clipping those nails and, and, and finally I got my, I got enough. I used to be like six, four and I'm not anymore. Cause I got a pedicure. <laughs> like bull. God, oh my, can you imagine a man, his age? getting his first foray into getting his feet tended to. It was a happening, man. I should have filmed it, but I didn't want you to embarrass him. That's in a good content right there. Conrad, were you there when he did it? Of course I had to take him and go and watch and, you know, ridicule. <laughs> yeah. Make fun of him. Of course. He walked right into it. Didn't he? He knew he's what was happening. Man. He's a good man. He's got a great family and he does a great, great thing for us. And I'll always, uh, have a special place for old bull. You should have seen me and him trying to fit into a goddamn booth. Oh, and at the Mexican place, I came to see here, you know, months and months ago. Yeah. 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 Maybe a year ago. I don't know. It's a long time. And that was funny. That could have been another goddamn. That could have been a sitcom. Two fat fuckers trying to get into the booth. That's, and funny. that's why are we sitting here? Our bellies are hanging over the plate or the goddamn, uh, surface and the tabletop. What the hell are we doing? Why didn't we get a table? I don't know. Anyway. All right. Well, we could bullshit all day, but, uh, we have work to do. I'd be fine for that too, by the way, but let's get to it. It's uh, may 21st, 2001. So if you too are new to Peacock, go to season nine, episode 21 of Monday night raw. It's may 21st, 2001. Jim's going to count down. He's going to say three, two, one play. And when he says play, you'll press play. We hope that you'll mute, uh, the sound and let Jr and I be, uh, your voice here. And whenever we need to pipe in some audio, I'll play it on my end and you'll hear it just fine. But it's May 21st, 2001, Jim, give us a countdown three, two, one play. All right, folks, get ready. Get your little index fingers ready. Hope you're set and raring to go. This is a good show. I did watch the first minute just to get the, 
just to see who, what, when, and where, and, uh, it's got a hell of a start and it's really in inter- Listen closely to the, to stone cold's entrance. Remember this is after WrestleMania 17. That's right. When he was a quote unquote heel. God damn it. I'm a heel. God damn Connor Thompson. I shit on this podcast. God damn it. Where's Kenny? Uh, Jim Cornette visit this morning. Here we go. In three, two, one. Play. Play. There we go. We're off to the races. We got the old signature open here. I'm going to track the audio when the actual show starts. so We can sort of catch up where we are in the world wrestling federation here on May 21st, 2001. There he is, ladies and gents. Conrad, look at those signs. Don't you miss those days? I do. You miss the signs days? Yeah, because the signs are held by people. Right. And I miss the days of people in the crowd. You know, we had a, we were talking earlier about the AEW of blood and guts. You know, I don't know how many fans we had there. I'm assuming around 1500 and, uh, but boy, they helped the show. Oh yeah, for sure. They were cheering, watching the big screen and the, and the matches in that first hour. It was amazing to me. Uh, that, that was a pleasant surprise. Nice to be back in front of more and more fans. And of course it's out there now, double or nothing's going to be full capacity and boy, it was a full capacity here. You see uh, stone cold making the rounds here. Don't forget he's the heel, but they're still cheering him. He is now not only the world champion, having beaten the rock at WrestleMania 17, the follow-up effort, their may pay-per-view the night before was judgment day. And he and triple H became the tag team champions. So now he's got both belts and you see, this is the era where he has both knees and braces. Austin was, uh, always sort of, uh, looking for ways to keep this run going and stay on the road. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, he was, uh, bold enough to reinvent. Yeah. And when he stopped to think about, uh, that, uh, vision, it took a lot of balls because he was the hottest baby face that the company ever had. So he's willing to leave that uh, job description and not, I don't want to say start over, but, uh, it was a lot of new elements at play, but I'll tell you that he was having fun about this time. He loved, uh, being, he a, loved being a heel. Hey guys, are you looking for a great father's day gift idea? I know I was, and I found it a couple of years ago with paint your life. With Paint Your Life, you get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mom, your dad, or both. You see, Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload a photo to create anything you can imagine, maybe in a special location or a favorite pet. There's lots of options. You pick the artist, the medium, and you even get to work with the artist to make sure it's perfect. You get started in less than five minutes and you can get the portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text Ross to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're going to uh, track his uh, audio here. I'll play it on my side, Jim. Everybody will be able to hear it, and uh, we'll see what he's got to say to this crowd fresh off of his tag team title win the night before at Judgment Day. And we'll talk about ratings and, and what had happened from WrestleMania to this point because that's a big part of the story for 2001. Let's track it and see what he's doing with the crowd here. Awesome, not appreciating the, these chants directed toward him. You can say all you want to say, but the bottom line is Stone Cold Steve Austin is still the World Wrestling Federation champion. Again, thanks to Triple H and Mr. McMahon. Take a good look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Stone Cold Steve Austin is still the World Wrestling Federation champion. And even though And even though it means that I represent every piece of trash in this arena It means that there ain't nobody back there in the World Wrestling Federation that can stop Stone Cold Steve Austin And even though I like to consider myself a fighting champion, a man's man, the best World Wrestling Federation champion in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, I want shut up. I want to serve notice right here, right now. But I whipped The Undertaker's ass last night at Judgment Day, just like I said I was. I get one more asshole chin out of you, I'm fixing to knock your little teeth out. So let me go on record as saying... Man, is he ramped up or what? Let me go on saying record. Undertaker, you do not, I repeat, you do not get a rematch, and that's all I got to say about you. What does that say for the champion, the fighting champion? Like I said, my name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I am the World Wrestling Federation champion. And I'll say this, since my name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, it means that I do not deserve to be treated like trash. And you reap what you sow. No, 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 no. Every single son of a bitch in here is going to show me the respect that I deserve. My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
So I want everybody just go ahead and stand up and show me the respect that I deserve. Stand up, JR. Stone Cold wants you to stand up. Get off your asses. How much fun was Steve having doing this? Just riling everybody up. I mean, it's old school heel stuff, but it's still working because he's getting the response and the way they reacted for him when he came out, it's like anytime you see a big star, it's the initial cheer, but now it's up to him. He's got to turn them and there's not a man back there that can stop stone cold. Steve Austin is a big man. So what'd you think of this? We're going to see Jericho and Benoit. We're going to set up a tag match here for our main event. Uh, of course the tag titles are going to be on the line and we know what's going to happen with Hunter. Uh, but the pay-per-view main event for the next month in King of the ring, because Hunter goes down, becomes a three-way dance with Jericho, Austin, and Benoit. Was this sort of a changing of the guard? Did it feel like a, a period of transition where, Hey, we haven't done maybe the best job of establishing this new crop of superstars as tippy top guys. It's time to give them their almighty push. All we're trying to do is find a, a viable opponents, uh, for Austin Yeah, and help, uh, cement the legacy of some baby faces like Jericho, like Benoit, because we knew that the matches between Jericho, uh, and or Benoit and Austin would be outstanding. Let's, let's hear Jericho's mic work here. Steve Austin. Oh, so what you're saying is your name is stone cold. Steve Austin. Well, Stone Cold, my name is Chris Jericho. And on behalf of every single Jericho-holic in this arena, I would like to ask you, no, I would like to beg you, would you please shut the hell up? Jericho's over here, man. Yep. Mania, the eternal question is being, why? Why'd you do it, Stone Cold? Why'd you sell your soul to Vince McMahon? But after all the theories and all the questions, hell, after two months of speculation, to be honest with you, I really don't give a damn why you did what you did. Besides, I have a little theory of my own. You did it because you're nothing more than an angry, vengeful, 100% bona fide jackass. Man. And besides, I've got to hand it to you. In selling your mind and your soul and your body to Vince McMahon, you've achieved the impossible. You've managed to become an even bigger slut than Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Jericho just called Stone Cold a slut. Boy, you know how to hit those liners, didn't you? I have good writers. <laughs> and as far as tonight is concerned. A slut and a Y2J chant. Jericho went a little heavy on the baby oil tonight, too. As far as tonight is concerned. I wonder if he was wearing some the other night when he had his tragic fall. Is that why he slipped? What? How is he recovering? Do you know? I think he's good to go. Oh, good. Beat you 
for your tag team championship titles. Jericho and Benoit earned it on Judgment Day, winning tag team turmoil. Because after tonight, Junior, neither you nor Triple H will ever, ever be the same again. Dude, the uh, never be the same and the, and the crowd pops in the middle part. That's big time stuff. I mean, that's, yeah. that's top guy stuff. Here's triple H, uh, helping, uh, Ian Austin beat the shit out of, uh, Jericho before they get too much heat. Ben Wall's in to make the save. And we've ben got Wiles our main event set right now. So you set them at the very beginning of the night. You know how you're going to end the show now. I just loved uh, Benoit and Jericho together. They just had great chemistry, the Canadian connection, both of their deep roots, deep in the Stu Hart's dungeon, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Shout out to Lance, man. Is that the best Hunter ever looked? I think 2000 or 2001 are probably uh peak physical condition for Hunter, man. He looks like a walking, talking action figure. Yeah, it looks great. All, all these guys take a lot of pride in how they look and how they present themselves on camera. And that's why they're on top. But what we're trying to do here, first of all, uh, Helmsley's triple H Helmsley, whatever at the time, trying to get the rub from Austin, which is cool. Yeah. And, uh, oh, let's track it. Let's see what Vince is saying here. A few time, man, you know how valuable that is. My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I ain't putting up with that. Steve, I do not deserve it. Everybody knows your name. He doesn't deserve it. And who the hell does Benoit think he? Who the hell do Jericho and Benoit think they are? Jumping us? We do what we want. We want to kick Jericho's ass. We do it. Benoit doesn't run in and try to stop us. Calm down, will you? Calm down. You want me to calm down after last night? We're not tonight. We're not going to talk about last night. We're going to talk about tonight. Now calm down. Get your heads together collectively. We've got to defend the tag team championship. Kurt Angle just arriving with his Olympic gold medals back intact. How you doing, gentlemen? Good. 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 Look at Mark Carano. How about that? The late Mark Carano. The late. Listen to you. I didn't expect to see Mark here in a backstage vignette. I forgot he was there. I mean, I think he was with the company, I guess back to like 98, but didn't remember seeing him here. And here comes the big show. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, boy, he looks different these days, totally different look and presentation there for big show. But we were talking earlier about how the ratings were starting to be affected. Uh, I want to give some context to that. When you go back to the night after WrestleMania 17, the show gets a 5.7. The next week it's a 5.4. The next week, a 5.1, the following week, another 5.1, then 4.98, then 4.6, then 4.5. And here we are the night after a pay-per-view 4.2, the, uh, the bloom is off the rose. We're on the downhill slope. Could you feel it back then? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Again, it's the company was built around so much around rock and Austin rock was gone doing movies and uh, pursuing that dream. And it was a smart decision for Dwayne. And then, uh, then Austin making that turn. So you lose two baby faces of, of, uh, sounds over dramatic, but immortal proportions, Conrad. 
they're no longer available on that baby face side. And as we have discussed here, uh, we didn't have anybody ready for Steve as a baby face or a heel. So, uh, anyway, I, I, we did, we had to hit the reset button Yeah, and we needed to get somebody hot on the other side of the aisle, which, uh, with, uh, with all those baby faces that we have. So, uh, but you know, thinking, well, we'll just, just like put the old rocket ship under their ass and it's all automatic and all that stuff. Well, come on, man. It's, uh, it's not automatic and everybody ain't got it. The, 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 we didn't have any more Austin's and rock baby faces on the roster. They didn't, they weren't, they weren't existing at that point. And I dare to say that maybe since then, no one has approached uh, their status as a baby face in WWE. Not a, maybe it's a guarantee. Nobody has reached their status. And we're seeing two very capable performers right now. They're working a hardcore match. Of course, Rhino's our hardcore champion and big shows challenging for it. He's got on knee pads and elbow pads and wrist tape. Uh, it's a unique look for big show here in this era. Not a bad look. I don't think, you know, the key thing about big show, Paul white is the fact that, you know, his, he always, he looked great in his gear when he was in, you know, when he, when he, when he had not had any excess or too much excess poundage. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's still a freak of nature. My God, he's, I'm sure for some people, it's the largest human being they've ever seen. Oh, certainly. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that, uh, first time I saw him at a live show, I was lucky enough to, uh, to have pretty good seats. So I was near ringside and as he walked by, I mean, you could show a movie on his back. It's a huge human being. And I mean, just shaking hands with him years later, it's a whole nother scope of, whoa, I guess we're technically the same species, same species. But this is a monster of a human being. Yes. And you know, it's just hard to believe that he was a former, you know, his claim to fame athletically, uh, before his pro wrestling days was in basketball. Yeah. I know he played, uh, at Northern Oklahoma junior college in Tonkawa. Tonkawa. Yeah. And he, they sent him there. He was going to go to Wichita state. They were Wichita state at that era was pretty damn good, but, uh, I don't know if it was grades or his fundamental skills or whatever it may be. But uh, they sent him to Tonkawa because Tonkawa is just south of uh, Wichita. But I think uh, the the desire to make money, uh, the fact that he needed money, uh, he exited basketball not too long after that. He didn't get to go to he didn't get to Wichita State, as far as I know. Let's uh, let's talk about what Meltzer wrote here. He says uh, less than two months after the biggest show in the history of the industry. The entire wrestling industry seemed to hit a panic. The Monday night audience for wrestling has declined to a scary degree coming off the end of nitro and folding of WCW down to a 4.2 rating on May 21st for the best raw in a long time. This number was equivalent to the audience. The show used to draw a few times a year. It aired from 11 P to one a on a tennis or dog show night. The WWF not only has lost all the former nitro audience, as well as having dropped about 16% of its own core audience over a seven week period, House show business on a strong run of the past few years have started showing more signs of weakening than in any period in the last five years. Moreover, never in recent years has so much been said about the boring state of the WWF with stagnation setting in the similarities with WCW were just too scary in an industry lacking no major league alternative. 
is the observer something that you read at the office or did you read it at all back in 2001? It came to my home. So I, I would read it at home, but to say I read it religiously from cover to cover would be a lie. And I don't lie to our audience. I'd read what's applicable to us or the lead news story, something along those lines, but what happened in, in other areas that did not affect me, uh, and my work, uh, I, I did probably peruse very often, but yeah, I got it at home and that's where I, I uh, that's where I read it. I'm curious because you know, you're, you're head of talent relations here. You're definitely a VIP in the organization and, and, and you're intricately aware of the finances of the company. Uh, you know, now it's a publicly traded company and, uh, th- there's just a lot of moving parts, but I'm just curious when you read something like this in the observer, where it seems to spell doom and gloom. Oh my gosh. Choke slam through a trash can that ought to do it. Rhino has lost big show is your winner. Are, are you nervous? D- do you just pay it? No mind. Do you think, well, he don't know what, what I know. Or do you think, you know, he's kind of seeing what I'm seeing. We're, uh, we're off the track here. Um, well, they didn't break any new news, right? It was in fact, we weren't aware of where the trends were. So I, I would say all he did was enlighten his audience to what he felt was a news story. And it was, and, uh, but we were aware of that. We we're aware of all that stuff with, uh, and the trends and all that. He just reiterated what we already knew. And you and I talked about this ad nauseum. If you have the attractions that people want to see, they will, they will watch, they will attend, they will participate. If you don't, they won't simple as that. And we just didn't have what they wanted to see. They did not want to see Austin as a heel, you know, and it was, it, we, if, if everybody had been more patient instead of hitting themselves in the face with their knee jerks, uh, then, then we'd have got a heel ready or baby face, excuse me, ready for Steve. But it was always going to be an uphill struggle for the heat, for the baby face. Cause quite frankly, the people have made a bigger emotional investment in Austin than his opponent until you get them over. And that's going to, and that takes some time. You can't say, well, it should have been done in three months or what fucking damn book is that from? Right. You know, the internet mark book. Well, I think in four months, how do you know that? Right. You just pull that four months out of your ass. How's it feel? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It's an individual deal. Some talents have the ability to get over in a shorter length of time than others. Some talents will never reach the level of, of Austin and rock and their baby face personas. So, you know, so, well, rock was a heel. He was a nation of domination. He was a heel before he got a, his baby face run. When rock became an over baby face in WWE, he didn't, how many times he turned? I don't remember any. Did I miss something Conrad on that? No, uh, you're missing something right now though. Terry Reynolds has come to visit the APA and, uh, it's apparently very cold backstage. Uh, you see the guys, uh, playing cards, drinking beer, smoking cigars. And that was well, a subtle nipple reference from Conrad. He can't, he can't say nipple cause he's married. Uh, let's, children. let's track it here. Yeah, man. Just a 
So Terry just poured beer all over her, uh, white shirt worth no bra and everybody got excited. So that allowed Perry Saturn I'm excited right now, by the way, <laughs> that allowed Perry Saturn doing his best superstar, Billy Graham impression and, uh, Dean Malenko to attack the APA. And now we see stone cold stomping around backstage. Let's track it and see what's going to happen here. Deborah. Deborah. So we're looking for Deborah backstage cut to yet another vignette. Now it's Molly Holly talking to uh, spike Dudley. Vince Russo's gone by this era. Of course, uh, who would have been responsible for producing a lot of these backstage vignettes? We know Brian's still there. We know Bruce is still there. Who are some of the other cast and crew in 2001? Do you recall? Well, Brian DeWertz was the, I think the really the creative powerhouse of a lot of things in this era. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. A, and he just did a great job. He had real good vision. He had a good, great gift for these images and putting them, making them make sense with untrained actors. These guys are not actors, unless they did something in their school play. So they, they had to adapt and become more extensive to their own personality. So, uh, but Bruce obviously was very involved and, uh, and so was, uh, Brian, but they're Connor, they're so being invasive because there were so many writers in that era that came and went. Right. And sometimes you didn't even notice that somebody was gone. The, the number of writers and producers increased exponentially. And sometimes, you know, their world didn't bring them. You'd think well, everybody was in the same world that we were in the same world, but in different parts of the world. And so it just didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, Ed Kosky was there and, uh, uh, Dave Kapoor, I remember those guys because they're long timers, still long timers. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they could talk wrestling. <laughs> they had a good, they had good product knowledge in my opinion. So, yeah. uh, I spent more time with guys like that than the brand new neophyte writers who are still essentially a uh, bad word here. Marks. You, um, you know? you're a bit old school, uh, with your wrestling. No, when, when, when you see. Out. A vignette like this of a scantily clad Terry Runnels pouring beer over her breasts. Do you think as a man? Okay. That's pretty cool. But as a advocate of our brand, is this really what we should be doing? Did you second guess any of the over the top sexuality and content of the show at any point? Not really. I mean, I didn't like, uh, what's that? Uh, the, the cadaver deal or the, uh, you know, triple H and the- Katie Vick. Katie Vick, that was, that wasn't even entertaining. It wasn't funny. Uh, it, it served no purpose really. And I'm sure triple H uh, had the choice to not be involved in it. He would have chosen to not be involved in it, but considering Conrad that our primary demographic that the advertisers are the numbers, the advertisers used to, to buy advertising on the network or in or inside our show were men. 
18 to 34 or 18 to 49. So I would say that a lot of men, uh, are, uh, interested in Terry Reynolds, hard nipples. So it didn't bother me. <laughs> Let's talk about the observer again. Of course, they're breaking down what's happening in the main event. Uh, we, we just read a few moments ago where he's trying to draw comparisons with WCW. He would say the similarities ended just as quickly with what could turn out to be a monumental raw where Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho were not only put over triple H and Steve Austin for the WWF tag titles on May 21st in San Jose, but put over the right way in a match of the year caliber performance, not only by the four wrestlers, but the announcers and setting the stage. The challengers were portrayed as being on the verge of winning numerous times. And most importantly, in the commentary, winning was of paramount importance, including Jericho hitting his lion salt finisher on Austin. And of course he's going to break down the actual finish itself, but he says the decision to go with Jericho, a decision that was questioned by many did not give just a glimmer, but a bright ray of hope up and down the roster. There was the belief of many that the various suggestions made perhaps even correctly that this had the least box office appeal for the show in specific, but for the long run, if handled correctly, this was the only option that was a step forward more than anything else, including short-term box office for a pay-per-view. The company desperately needed to add new headliners to its mix because of the stale nature of the product and main events, which would only get worse without a big move. Now, I guess that's important to mention. Uh, you know, we just saw a picture of the rock on uh, the cover of rolling stone but he's out of here to go make a movie. So at this point, you really do need some new top tier talent. And as much as we've pushed Kurt angle, and as much as we've pushed, uh, Chris Jericho, and as much as we've pushed Benoit, they're not quite to the Austin rock level. And to your point a moment ago, who was before after it's a tough, it's a tough ask. Was anyone else considered to the best of your knowledge besides Jericho and Benoit, or was it just obvious at this point? We got to try these two guys. No, Kurt Angle. Yeah. Kurt Angle certainly was, uh, he may have been at the top of that list, the, the eventual list of the hero baby face. Cause he checked all the boxes, you know, Kurt could work with anybody. Well, he could make guys that were look, nobody had Kurt angles, athletic ability. Everybody was playing up because the last thing we wanted was Kurt had to dumb his game down to carry somebody. Right. The only time you get in that environment is when you're doing straight, uh, enhancement matches, you can kind of get by with there a little bit because all the, the, uh, the, the prelim guys only there to take bumps, sell, make an obligatory short hope spot and then get his ass whipped. So the skill level for that is not, uh, that has to be refined, but I thought Kurt would have been a great answer. Uh, Jericho, uh, Benoit. You know, uh, where was Eddie in this, this time frame, Conrad, do you remember? Well, I think this is the time when, um, Eddie was trying to uh, earn his stripes again. Okay. Well, that didn't take long. No, the cream rises to the top and, uh, it's nice that Terry Reynolds didn't make an appearance at ringside wearing a, what was it? A bathrobe. Uh, Eddie is, uh, released from the company on November of 2001. Uh, so he's still, uh, I guess, uh, a, a little ways away, but he is going to uh, be sent to rehab, uh, yeah. at some point during this month. 
he's going to be injured by Albert in a match. And then he actually gets cut, cut loose in November. So, uh, he's out of pocket and here we go. Here's Terry Reynolds. Let's track it with a big reveal. You guys did that on shotgun Saturday night once before too, in the, the early days of shotgun Saturday night, there's something about a, a Marlena flash spot that you could pretty much count on it. Getting the right kind of attention, huh? Yeah. Uh, hence the idea. Is it too much? I don't think so. You're playing for the pops. You're playing for the crowd reaction. And did the crowd react, uh, when, when Terry Runnels was on camera? Yes. More, more often than not. Yes, sir. See Bradshaw setting up the big power bomb, little spike with Ron Simmons help. I can't imagine that that's uh, a move you'd like to take. I'd probably be on the short list of moves that nobody wants to take the, the uh, JBL power bomb. With a little help from Ron Simmons. Come on. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Actually Father anything Ron from Simmons Ron Simmons, Simmons. I'd, I'd stay away from that one too. I'd stay away from Ron Simmons. <laughs> Most offensive lineman did down there in his glory days at uh, Florida state. And that's the end acolytes make short work of, uh, of this tag team situation with Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko. Let's briefly mention something else that was in the observer here. The Austin turn, like similar turns with Goldberg and Ric Flair represented slaps in the face to the fans and resulted in people booing them because they were villains in the storyline and not wanting to pay for tickets. And in many cases, not wanting to watch TV because of it. I mean, in the end of the day, I know we're talking about, oh, the product is stale and blah, blah, blah. But more than that, it's really all about the Austin turn, right? I mean, that's the real cause of the fall off in business. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like when that dirty bastard, Bruce Dern shot John Wayne in the back on the Cowboys, right? It killed his career. I saw an arc the other day seriously about that. Uh, he was one of the most hated men in America because in the movie, the Cowboys, uh, which is a great film, by the way, uh, he, he got his ass whipped in a fight with an older man, John Wayne. And, uh, when John Wayne whipped his ass and was walking away. Uh, the, the Bruce Dern's character got a gun and shot John Wayne in the back and killed it. And he it affected his movie roles. He just, the, the, uh, the directors and the producers, those guys felt like he brought a negative image, a negative cloud over the film because people were not going to forget that significant role as a villain in the Cowboys. And I think here's the same thing with Austin. He just. People have made such a strong emotional investment in that character. And we took it away from them. Here's team Eck. Let's track it. What you crazy Canucks would say it reeks of awesomeness. (laughs) And and I have a great idea. What's that? To make it more special, to make it more official. How about I stand on the gold podium? You stand on the silver and you on the bronze. I mean, it'll make it completely official. Wait, wait, wait. I have an even better idea that'll make it more special. How about no? Yeah. Well, why, why not? Oh, okay. I get it. If I'm standing up there alone, the spotlight would just be on me. That's it, Kurt. Oh, you you guys are awesome. Thanks. I want you guys to watch. All right. We'll be watching. Great. Yeah. All right. It's a special guy, isn't he? Yeah. You said it. What'd you think of the, uh, the pairing of team Eck, ECK, Edge, Christian, and uh, Kurt Angle? It was fun. 
couldn't take it overly serious. Right. Cause it was a fun setup, entertain, entertaining setup. It was one of the more, uh, entertainment side of sports entertainment, even though all three guys are hellacious workers. Um, uh, well, I like their, the, the thing about Adam and Jay edge and Christian had great chemistry. It was natural. You stand here, you stand there, you not, nothing. It was just a natural organic presentation and that the fans were not offended to see they weren't being zoomed like we are here on this call. And, uh, and of course, Kurt playing kind of the naive, uh, baby face. I didn't like that because as much because sometimes it made him look stupid. Right. And I just don't believe in any of the wrestlers should look stupid. Naive. I think is probably the term that, that Brian would use, but We've, uh, we've got the Hardy boys out here now with, uh, Lita in tow and coming up to take them on here. How about X-Pac and, uh, just incredible. They're calling themselves X factor. And of course we've got, uh, Albert in tow. I want to, uh, continue sort of the write up about this main event that we're going to be watching here in a little while. That's just spectacular with triple H is suffering a full quadricep tear in the closing moments of the San Jose match, which will require surgery under Dr. James Andrews on May 24th. He'll be unavailable for several months, probably not until October or November. And we know it wound up being January and what a pop it was when he came back, yep. which puts more pressure on Austin to carry the load than at any time. And the bottom line is that the Austin heel turn has been a disaster for business. Triple H was making a save when Jericho had the lion tamer on Austin, when he felt a pain, like he was shot in the thigh. Um, and then the quad rolled up. Still, he gutted out the last few spots and, and basically for his efforts, both made and saved the match. And really, you know, this is the story of highlighting what the Chris's are going to do, both Benoit and Jericho. But if you're paying attention to the business, uh, not just as a fan, but understanding behind the scenes, what goes into all this triple H is the star of the night. Is he not? Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, he doesn't get enough credit. <coughs> pardon me for, uh, uh, continuing that match in a horrific goddamn injury, painful injury, but he, uh, he stuck it out, steered the course somehow, some way, which always resonated with me and still does this very day that, you know, most of the focus on triple H nowadays is as that as an administrator in WWE, uh, but his wrestling career in like in these days, I thought he was. At one time, he became the best heel in our, in our, in the company, meaning that he was arguably the best heel in the wrestling business. I just thought he was amazing. Uh, and this matches Mick Foley kind of helped, you know, future that, but yeah, that's, it takes a lot of guts to do that. Well, these are four guys in this tag match that can really work. It's actually a singles match with uh, Matt Hardy oh, sorry. and, yeah. and Sean Waltman. I want to mention too, Sean Waltman has a brand new podcast called pro wrestling for life. You can uh, find it anywhere you enjoy podcasts. And uh, I recently made an appearance on there and we broke down his main event match over in WCW. It was a six man tag. He's teaming with uh, Scott and Kev to take on Kevin green, Roddy Piper and Rick flair. So if you enjoy uh, what we're doing here on the show, go listen to me doing it with Sean Waltman at pro wrestling for life. Great friend of the show. And he used to be the measuring stick for the company, right? Jim. Yep. Yep. You know, he, he wants a, a Sean wants to approach me that. He didn't like a payoff. I, I paid him and, uh, he said, what the F are you paid me by the pound? That's a good line. Yeah. 
No, Sean, I'm not. You know, he, he, uh, he, he was another guy that had, you know, his body was right kind of back, bad back issues. And, uh, so out of the, I don't know the, how much I was prompted, but it, I didn't, I never told Vince, but I started flying Waltman first class. Oh, wow. Good for you. Well, he, he couldn't, he, he couldn't get comfortable to get back spasms and cramps in his lower back. And at least the first class seat, let him spread out a little bit and gave him more room to, to adjust, you know, and those coach seats, there's not a room, a lot of, lot of room for adjusting. And of course, nowadays it's just coming back to where airlines are selling the middle seats back again. So if you're a coach flyer, that's not good news. And let's talk about, uh, the, the other thing that everyone is talking about, which is WCW Meltzer would say the company has also done an about face on its most publicized project, which appears at this point, casual fans don't care, don't care about the WCW relaunch. The original plan was to create a new separate promotion with very little crossover. When the new promotion was strong enough based on strength of television, it would start touring and doing monthly pay-per-views at some point, a long ways down the line, they would do the inevitable interpromotional matches with no television deal on the table. That plan has totally changed. Shane McMahon appeared on the May 21st raw, doing a series of angles with Kurt angle, uh, where angle laid him out and a second where Shane calls to angle the match in an intercontinental title bout with Kane and talked of WCW coming sooner than people think Shane, usually a good performer did a terrible interview, probably the worst of his career and did himself no favors by dancing to a lame entrance song coming out. This combined with the crowd's total lack of caring when he brought up the WCW subject just shows how much work needs to be done on this project. WCW is a big deal to insiders and to folks at the stock market to see how WWF handles its new acquisition, but clearly not to most WWF wrestling fans who have lost interest in the WCW name over the past two years, or even WCW fans, those who remained, who have since stopped following pro wrestling over the last two months. Uh, as mentioned last week, the 722 pay-per-view, so July 22nd from Cleveland mm. has had a name change from fully loaded to invasion, and it will now be built around a series of interpromotional matches, even being hyped to the, as like a super bowl of wrestling type show. So there's been a lot of rumor and innuendo about what the plans were. And supposedly all of that is changing very quickly. What do you remember in this era, Vince thinking about this WCW acquisition and, and what he might be changing course for Well, we wanted to create two separate brands, but the only way the two separate brands are going to work, if you had all the players in place, right? Uh, that's not a mystery. We didn't have Goldberg. We didn't have Hall and Nash. We didn't have all those guys. And, uh, and, and we weren't going to get them. And some people say, well, why don't you just pay them more money or, or it's all about the, you know, you're spending somebody else's money is very easy to do. Uh, but I will tell you that, uh, I don't think we could have dynamited them out of their homes. They were getting a huge check and never leaving the couch and the proverbial and beloved mailbox money, like those great big checks I get from Conrad every month. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but seriously, the, we didn't have the full complement of players. So we had to be So to have a WCW only event without your team the team that fans are used to seeing and valued on television, uh, was not going to work. And secondly, Conrad, it wasn't like people were 
beating the door down to add more wrestling to their television lineup. So you got to have an outlet that's viable and you got to have the players to put on there. And we had neither. So it's really not a mystery why that didn't work. Uh, or it just, it, we had to call the audible and go with it this way. Now I know that the invasion paper, you got a hell of a rating, this goodbye rate did well. So, uh, but that was a situation there, quite frankly. We just saw Eddie, uh, make a, a brief appearance. We know he's going to be unfortunately going to rehab later in the month, but he's still on this show. And here's another vignette with uh, Kurt angle. This is his third or fourth skit on the show so far. We're only 41 minutes in as we go to the break. And when we come out of the commercial, it's another vignette. Let's take a listen. San Jose, California. And uh, later tonight, the WWE tag titles decided when Stone Cold and Triple H beat Chris Benoit and Y2J, Chris Jericho. Fans are in tune, man. They do not like Kurt Angle. Yeah, you're, you're right. Well, is that not, like you said, that naive gimmick. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't, it just didn't resonate with them. And, uh, Here's the thing, man. Think about this psychologically, Conrad. If, and I see heels do it all the time on, on all kinds of shows. Uh, they want to be cool nowadays more than they want to be hated. They think it's going to affect their t-shirt sales or something. And I, I, we'd probably all laugh if we knew how little some of those talents were making selling their t-shirts. Uh, you, you got to, you know, I'm wearing a box of gimmick shirts today. Yes, you are. But, but I, I don't think I'm going to buy another condo based on how many t-shirts I'm selling. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Probably not going to happen. We, but, uh, uh, anyway, that was a situation. You, you, we were missing elements that we couldn't fix. And, and, and the, you know, again, I get, I get, I got this on the social. Sometimes you guys should have just paid them the money. Well, it was, it, it was a smart business, right? And the other thing is you have to have a talent, accept the money, Conrad. That's right. They got to want to come to work now, go back on the road, yeah. back on those airplanes, go through those airports, all those things. And some of them were, were a little bit on the other side of their peak years. They finally got an opportunity to stay home, let their bodies heal, maybe even be a husband or a father better. And they weren't ready to, to get back on the road. So, uh. That thing works a lot of different ways. Well, if given the option of, and I know you guys were usually trying to offer like 50 cents on the dollar, but even if it was a hundred percent, Hey, we'll pay a million to sit home and do nothing. Or we'll pay you a million to come get on a bunch of airplanes and work your ass off. Well, yeah, I could just sit home and just take the check. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I can't, and I, and people that blame, uh, our WWE administration at that time, including myself, uh, are just off base they're, they're, they're uninformed, but what the hell Conrad, why would we let information and truth get in the way of a good Twitter post makes no sense. Let's just get the dirt baby, uh, and create some shit. So anyhow, uh, I'm being cynical today, but nonetheless, there's Kurt, Kurt angles got some sort of proclamation. I do want to mention, um, and this is, this is, you know, important we've got Kurt angle setting the stage here for a feud with Shane McMahon. And we just saw that the Meltzer is going to be pretty critical of, of Shane's work. And we're going to, we're going to listen to what he called the worst interview of his career momentarily. 
but they're going to set up a King of the ring match that people still talk about to this day. Cause of one bump. Yeah. Through the right. glass. Well, I mean, it was brutal without it, but that one has been played over and over yeah. and over. That was the exclamation point, Conrad. In today's, I need results. Now a world, the exclamation point sells and the exclamation point was Shane going through, uh, the glass. And I know I, I, he may have been concussed in that deal. I'm not sure. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I know I, if I remember correctly, I think Linda was there and she was very concerned about Shane after the show, uh, they getting checked out and everything. But if truth be known, and I'm just, I'm not a doctor, uh, I never even played one on television. I had to play a couple of times and that's not, that's not a story. That was off Broadway. I was on a recruiting trip. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I just, it's just to me, we're making Kurt funny. If you are entertaining and you make me laugh, I am very challenged to dislike you as a villain in any endeavor. Uh, what a so visual, I think that's, where, I think that's where we were. What a visual for Kurt here. All this confetti. Let's track it and see what you're saying. This, is a, this man is a great American. He's a great human being. Ridiculous. He's a magnanimous individual and quite possibly the greatest credit to the human race that I have ever met. And you should be proud to be part of a broadcast. Stop. How was Paul Heyman as a broadcast partner here? Total change great. of pace from Lawler, huh? Oh yeah. More aggressive, uh, more edgy, but that was again, Lawler was just being himself. Right. And, and his personality is nothing close to the caustic at times personality of Paul Heyman. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased. Uh, I was really pleased with that. You know, when Vince said, you know, when Lawler left, you know, what do we, what do you, what do you suggest? which I appreciated. I said, well, the answer is simple. It's Heyman. I've worked with him before. He's got some notoriety on our TV. He gets it. He's a student of the game. All he checked all the boxes. And I, but I thought that when Heyman, Heyman and I were working together back in WCW days, uh, you know, cause that's, I put him on TBS with me and my ego is not going to allow me to work with somebody that's going to make me look bad. Right. You're just dead ass. Honestly, folks. And you too, Connie. I'm not going to so, make you look bad, but let, uh, let's let Shane make himself look bad. According to Dave Meltzer, let's track it and see what his promo is. Interrupting Kurt Angle's big celebration here with the podium and the confetti. Sorry for the interruption, but I was in the area. So I figured that I stopped by now, Kurt, you said that time is precious here in the world wrestling federation. And that is true. So let me get right down to it. Now, Kurt, you have your three eyes, but Kurt, I also have three letters. And those letters are WCW. And Kurt, a lot of rumors have been going on, so basically what I wanted to come out here to say is that WCW is starting very soon, and it's starting sooner than everyone thinks. So what? The WCW starting soon? Nobody cares. What people care about is my award ceremony. So do you mind? Actually, Kurt, I was finished, but why don't we take this time and let's get into maybe, maybe you just don't understand what WCW means. Let's take the first letter. The first letter, W, meaning world. Now, Kurt, 
We live in the world. We live on the planet Earth. But there are also many other planets. There's Mars. There's Jupiter. There's Pluto. And those planets also have many moons. Oh, hold on a second. Do you mind? I'm in the middle of my award ceremony. Okay? You're going to come out here and do this. Kurt, before I was so rudely interrupted, I just want to make sure that you understand, again, what WCW God damn, means. Now we're the on wind. to the letter C. C stands for championship, which obviously you do not have any currently at the moment. <laughs> C has many other meanings, too. C can stand for crayon, coyote, and C also stands for cookie, which is good enough for me. What are you talking about? You're going to come out here in the, right in the middle of my award ceremony. You have no respect. Kurt, you said time is precious. Let me get down to make sure you understand again to the last W. W stands for wrestling, which obviously you are very good at that. But W also stands for, I don't know, water, whatever. Um, and... In some cases, wussy. Wussy. Oh, 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 oh my God! Oh my God! The ankle slam from atop the metal stand. Kurt Angle slamming, and now he's got the ankle lock on Shane McMahon. Kurt Angle's got the ankle. Lock. So he's spelling WCW. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna agree with Meltzer. Not exactly Shane's best promo there. It's too long, Conrad. Yeah. It was hokey and it was too long. It wasn't natural. I was waiting on him to say suffering succotash. Yeah. You guys are sassafras and all that shit. <laughs> that's not you guys. That's fucking Bruce. I'm fading the heat. That's Bruce. Bruce. doesn't even know who he is. He thinks he doesn't know if he's brother love or Tommy rich. Bruce, you got a pay pay. He don't have a clue who the <laughs> fuck he is. He, he probably doesn't. I don't know. And, if I he like saw. It, and I like it when you make Bruce laugh. It's great because that's his imitation of Vince's laugh. He has listened to Vince and emulated his every move, his every bowel movement so strictly and stringently that uh, his laugh now is Vince's laugh. Ha ha ha! It's like Pavarotti there. Are you, anyway. are, are you suggesting that Bruce Pritchard might kiss Vince McMahon's ass? Is that what you're insinuating? I think he tongues him. Oh. That's real, that's real love. Speaking of real love, here's Deborah. Track it. I had to go get some coffee. I'm looking all over the place for you. I'm walking up there, up and down the halls. You ain't nowhere to be found. But I had to go get the coffee. Wait, but and, I'm a little worried here. Well, and I had to go all the other side of the building. I don't know why they don't put it beside our door. Well, I, I'll talk to them about that, but you got to put yourself in my shoes. I'm sitting there looking for you. You ain't nowhere to be found. Well, I'm sorry. I was just in here drinking my coffee. Well, I ran into the commissioner and... I'm always worried about you. I'm concerned about you. You weren't there, and he said the Undertaker's here. No. Yeah, and he said, well, maybe the Undertaker and crazy son of a bitch has abducted Deborah. I'm glad to see that everything's okay. Hey, woman, you scared? Well, you damn sure should be. Hey, Steve. It ain't over, son. It ain't over between me and you. It ain't over till I say it's over. You see, you made this thing personal. It ain't about the WWF anymore, all right? This thing's personal. You know what I'm telling you? It's like I told you before. You mess with my family, and I'm going to hurt you. Last night, I hurt you. 
I beat your ass, and deep down inside, you know it. But listen to what I'm telling you now. If you ever decide to bring my family into this again, I'm gonna show you what it's like to step on somebody's family. You got a problem with that? That's what I thought. Hell of a scene. Well, not the most politically correct uh, vignette we taped, but uh, this show's heavy on tape, man. It's heavy on backstage stuff. Him busting in on you like this, you know what? You know why I didn't whip his ass? Because you were right there, and I ain't gonna put my wife in jeopardy. That's why I didn't whip his ass. But you know what? Come to think about it, I just couldn't whip his ass because you were here, and it never would have happened had you been here. Down, I'm well, you down. I'm concerned about you. I damn near beat that man's ass. I didn't want to put you in jeopardy. <sighs> <laughs> it's so good, dude. Austin that's, and Taker were good, on. Uh, you know, that's good. That's a good chicken shit heel. Yes. Retort. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you this question. You being the astute student of the game that you are building an empire in lovely Huntsville, Alabama on pro wrestling is, uh, is that how you as a fan wanted to embrace the new stone cold character with showing all those chicken shit heel tendencies? Of course not. Would stone cold, even if he was a full bled, full fledged, which is what he envisioned full fledged, uh, heel villain, bad guy. He wouldn't have been that kind of bad guy. There's a difference in, in levels and in, in presentations of heels and baby faces. And so anyway, uh, that, that's a, there's a disconnect. We, we created a disconnect there. And we've got, uh, another big match happening here. We see, uh, the Dudleys on their way to the ring. I was always a big fan of the Dudleys in the WWE. Yeah, they did a good job. Always worked hard. Always brought their, they brought their best <coughs> and, uh, you know, they're just, uh, you know, very, very talented. I'm really surprised that Bubba's not working for somebody in a ring in some capacity nowadays. I listened to his, uh, and Dave LaGreca's work on busted open pretty regularly. And, uh, he's got some unique and good insights. I want to I mention, he, um, he could contribute to some, I'm sorry, Connor. He could contribute to somebody, uh, if they can manage him and managing Bubba sometimes is, can be challenging because he's very headstrong. I love the Holly group too. All of them crash Molly. And of course, hardcore they're on their way to the ring. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Vince McMahon again. Um, Meltzer states Vince McMahon said this week, he was considering this angle, a soft launch of the brand, introducing some of the new talent on television and building for the show. He said several ideas have been proposed on how it will be handled and that the key component, which is the television slot for the new WCW has not been finalized. So originally they were talking about 11 P to one a on T and N, but now there's problems with those negotiations. And, uh, Meltzer says he's even debating the viability of an added $350,000 daily production expense to another full day of taping. 
And he says, the only way to make this brand viable is to springboard from the invasion into a separate entity. So that's the original plan. And if you're wondering the match that famous or rather infamous match in Tacoma between buff Bagwell and Booker T has not yet happened. That happened July 2nd. Uh, so here we are still in may, but there's lots of other debate about all the other talent that's out there. And it's even in the observer here that you guys had recently changed course or shut down the idea. Well, let's just read it here. There seems to be a zero tolerance policy. The WWF's nixing of the Shawn Michaels comeback and how quickly they reacted to road dogs problems show. They won't be tolerant of a perceived problem. Even if it means changing major plans, unlike WCW, which constantly rewarded those who caused the most problems, a harmonious locker room. How big of a deal was that for you uh, from a talent relations standpoint here in 2001? Well, it was everything Conrad. I mean. Logic, just, you know, we use our logic here. You want the, the locker room to be a positive environment. You want, look, we work in a, in a very unique, uh, creative world that's full of extemporaneous, uh, emotions and emotions. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was important as hell. Think about any other entity, any other sports team. You think your man, uh, Nick Saban would tolerate a locker room that was full of discord and malcontents and naysayers and paranoid schizophrenics. No, because he knows how to run a program. Right. And he keeps his locker room sane. Keeping a wrestler sane is almost an oxymoron. Uh, it's hard to accomplish because of the nature of the damn beast. You can't fix that when, when booking is done so subjectively. So, uh, no, the locker room is. You know, I, I, we've talked about this before. That was one of the reasons I was so adamant about hiring Mick Foley. I knew I'd get one guy in the locker room that, could, that took the time and gave a shit to help the younger guys that he wouldn't come to work all pilled up. And, and on, and of course the wrestlers preference in many areas of my career have been the downers you walk around like a fucking amoeba. Well, I don't need that guy in the ring. Cause it's just, it would put the other guy in harm's way that he's working with. So it's a big deal. Something else that makes the news here, Shane McMahon and Heyman had a secret negotiation with Scott Hall recently to bring him in possibly as early as judgment day, which by the way, was the day before the negotiations fell apart after Shane and Hall had a phone conversation that didn't go well. Hall was talked about in regard to being brought in. It is believed that no deal would have been finalized without some sort of written safeguards in the contract in form of a zero tolerance deal hall who turns 43 this year between his track record and lack of productivity for the past several years in WCW. And for that matter, his track record over the final year in the WWF made both his injury rate and political games, arrest record and other assorted documented problems probably has more baggage than any single person alive in the industry. Do you remember there being negotiations or discussions or ideas about bringing Scott in and were you against them? It sort of sticks out like a sore thumb to me that you weren't on this call and it was Heyman and McMahon instead. Yeah. It stuck out to me too. It's the same deal. They, you know, Shane had no patience, youthful enthusiasm and Heyman just wanted to tag in and that increased his worth. If they could, they could pull off this coup and get Scott uh, back in the fold earlier. Uh, yeah, I was concerned about it because I didn't know how healthy Scott was. 
was he living a clean and sober lifestyle? I remember when we got back, uh, uh, might've been, I guess it's a few days or hours or whatever, not long after we got back on the plane ride from hell, which is also available here on the ad free network. Absolutely. Our podcast, a unique show, uh, that I said, getting you off the road is probably going to help save your life. It may not sound worth a shit right now because you're losing your job, but we care that you're going to, we don't want you waking up and are not waking up in a hotel room somewhere. And those guys are loading, you know, that whole era as I mentioned, it was all about the downers slows your heart rate down. It's just, it's bad stuff, man. So I, I was, I was always for Scott hall being clean and sober. Cause I knew how much he could help us with booking ideas and help lay out his matches. He was a big attraction. He left, he left in a good stead with, as razor Ramon. He, he reinvented himself in Atlanta with, with, uh, Kevin Nash and as Scott hall. So he had a lot of value, uh, but had no value if we still had drug issues, but it was a matter where, well, Shane and I'll take or, 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 or Shane may say, well, Paul and I'll get this done. Yeah. Apparently JR is not getting it done. Okay. Well then it's, if, you, if you want to make it sound that easy, then have at it. But uh, Vince and I discussed that whole step-by-step step, and he kind of wanted to see how those two guys would handle things just to maybe they could help out. I don't think they're looking to replace me. That's what people are thinking because they didn't want to do the day to day. They didn't want to do the babysitting. They didn't want to talk to the wrestlers wise. They didn't want to talk to kids and say, what's my daddy coming home? You know, these are, everybody's a worker in the wrestling family. So, uh, anyway, it didn't work out at that point in time, but zero tolerance. It had to be, that was a deal breaker. Let's talk about some other names here. The company has also also rethought its feelings about Marcus Bagwell, who was high on every original list of people they didn't want. Just a few months ago when Bagwell's WCW contract was about to expire, he had negotiations with the WWF to leave, but ultimately the decision was made not to bring him in. And he signed a short-term WCW deal that expires at the end of the month. On the upside, Bagwell is 31, has a star look, and maybe more than anything else, he'd be available in just a few weeks for television if needed, which with much of the top name talent, the WWF wants to have not likely available with their term time Warner burnout buyouts completely or completed by easy for me to say the gist here is maybe we've, we've had an about face about Marcus Bagwell. And some of that is just based on the circumstance that we can't get these other guys. And he's a name people recognize. Do you remember talking to buff before WCW went down about potentially coming over? Not specifically. I probably did. Uh, anybody that was on Vince's, uh, uh, hit list and he got that list. You know, Vince was not familiar with all these talents. I, I doubt very seriously in the, in, in buffs, uh, WCW run that Vince never seen Bagwell in a whole match. Uh, he just didn't have time or the inclination to watch a lot of the product, which can be perceived any way you want folks. Just jump on it. He should have been watching all this stuff. Get some good ideas. Well, that's what he had us around there for. He had the writers. He had myself, all the people that work with me watching matches and watching talent, looking at videos. And if we, if I saw somebody that was funneled through a system, then I would go to the old man and say, oh, I got two pieces of tape. I want to show you. And we'd look at it and he did the yay or nay it. So, 
uh, as far as the look. So, but, but the, the issue with Scott was, uh, you know, we just had, we had to protect him and same thing with Bagwell. This is the, it was just the, the, as you guys have coined the rumor and rumor and innuendo, easy for me to say, uh, a cliche, uh, it just, you know, when Vince saw him, he, he changed his mind and, and then I guess, uh, I don't know where the word got out or whatever that, you know, he may have, may have had some substance abuse issues that we did not want to inherit. Uh, again, a guy comes in clean and sober. He, he, he's, he agrees to zero tolerance, which you kind of had to do, uh, with these guys that had a track record. So, you know, it just didn't work out for buff there, you know, and I know I took a hit on that deal from some people, but that's cool. I, I we did all we could do that made sense for the company in the long term. And, uh, but you're right, Conrad, you know, he had the main event look and, and young, he's 30, like you said, he was 31, but, uh, he had an easier time, uh, doing some things than he did handling of personal issues. And I hope today that he's living a good, clean, healthy life and, and, uh, is enjoying his life. That's what we all should be striving to do. Just enjoy your life. See a backstage vignette here. We're wrapping it up. Let's track it here. Like this. You don't deserve it? No. Then prove it. So there's a little tension now between Triple H and uh and Steve Austin. We've got a commercial and we're back on the other side. I want to mention a few other names in the observer. The situations with Booker Huffman, Scott Recksteiner, uh Pete Gruner, and Paige Falkenberg. Of course, that's Scott Steiner, Kidman, and Diddy P. Remain similar in all cases to what they have been all would be expected to be a part of the WWF when their deals expire, which isn't soon in the aforementioned cases, or, uh, if they were to get a buyout. So he's saying that Scott's chances of being in the company are lower than the others because he's suffering from drop foot. Did you know that his physical status was maybe not what it should have been or could have been here in 2001, uh, or was that not really a concern you knew he could. He could figure it out and make it still happen. I don't think he can just figure out the drop, the drop foot thing. It's a take it's, that's, I gotta be either. I don't know if it's a surgery, surgery repair or a physical therapy repair, but it was a very big concern. Uh, but you know, a healthy Scott Steiner is going to help anybody's roster. Uh, you know, Billy Kidman, the world's greatest overachiever because he married Tori Wilson, uh, was uh, going to be a cruiser weight unless he figured out this fountain of youth and grew, uh, page we knew would be available because he wanted to work and he wasn't getting any younger. So, uh, and Booker T was my, if I had to circle one guy yeah, that I really wanted on our roster and uh, for us to bring in, it was, uh, Booker Huffman. I had a great belief in Booker, um, uh, I still do. I think he's, uh, he did so much for other African-American wrestlers with this, this sticking with it. And so, uh, anyway, he's, uh, you know, I was the first guy to go to him and say, you know, you need to, you need to tell your story. You need to tell people that you went to prison. Yeah. You need to tell people why you went to prison and you need to tell people how you have changed and, and reinvented yourself. That's a win. That's something everybody needs to hear. And I think he mentioned that his hall of fame induction. So 
Let's talk about some, some good news here. Uh, Foley's first book or, or Foley's book. Foley is good. I guess that's not his first book, uh, but it's going to debut at number one on the New York times bestseller list. Um, when did you, I mean, with the success of the first book, does the company just come right back to him and say, Hey man, we need to keep this going. Did you have fun doing it? Cause, uh, it's good PR for the company when we can have some, somebody on our roster appear on this New York times bestseller list. Did you go to him immediately and try to see if he could do another? Well, he always had the idea that he had another, he had more, many more books left in him. Right. Mick enjoyed the, the, uh, the, the, the practice of writing. He enjoyed that, that, uh, that drill, that process. So, uh, and of course he made some money on that first book. And, you know, good old Mick is certainly a, a fair and fine, upstanding capitalist. He wants to make that money. When they say it's not about the money, Conrad, it's always about it's, the money. It's all about the money. So, uh, that wasn't a hard conversation to have. He had other thoughts. He had, he, you know, he, he, he was kind of writing his books. Like he was booking something, a beginning, a middle and an end. And he just had the, the next volume a beginning a middle and an end. And that book did well too. Mick had developed a, uh, a following, yeah, a lit- literary following Conrad. And all we all want to do collectively was st- strike again while the iron was hot. And, uh, that was an easy sell. Let's, uh, let's also mention, we've got one more match coming up with, uh, Kane and, uh, Kurt angle, which we alluded to earlier, Shane McMahon is going to get involved there. And then our main event, did you know when this night, when this match was over, I mean, obviously a new hunter was hurt, but did you know, God dang, that might be one of the best tag matches we've ever had on the show. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Now on my screen. Now I've got Eddie and Jeff against edge and Christian. That's right. We're in the same spot. If you're watching where I'm watching, I'm at one 11, 11. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So we got about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so left in the show. Uh, so we'll finish this match up and then we've got Kane and Kurt angle next. And then our main event. And I think before our main event, we get a, uh, a Benoit promo, which supposedly was pretty good, but I haven't heard it since 2001. So we'll watch it together. All right. A lot of talent in this ring. Jeff Hardy. It's hard for him not to stand out of Conrad. Jeff just got that it factor, the charisma. Then you got edge and Christian and we're sure happy to have a uh, Christian cage, uh, on our AEW team. He's great. Very steady, man. very steady influence Conrad with some of the young guys. And he's at the point of his life where he knows he still has some gas left in the tank, but he's willing to share his knowledge. And has the patience and the time and the willingness to do it. So he's a good asset for us right now. And I can see these two teams wrestle all day. You notice the styles are changing thus far in this match. I have not seen one hold applied. No, it's action movement spots, moves, spots, moves. And then you work for the tag like they're doing right now on my TV. What is your time code, Conrad? 
Uh, right now I'm at uh, 112, 50, 51, 52, 53, yep. 54. Okay. And the show goes uh, an hour, 42 minutes and 34 seconds. Right now we've got sunset flip off the top rope from Eddie Guerrero. He's got the pinning combination on Christian and that'll get it done. Big pop from the crowd too. Uh, even if, uh, Eddie Guerrero is, uh, not long for the WWE here. The fans are still with it. Well, Eddie connected. Eddie connected with his audience. They, they, they loved his skill. Yes. It's not just about being a baby face or a heel. They loved his skill and respected it, but Eddie had to get control of his life and thank God he did. And we brought him back and he had a nice run. Lita has so much sex appeal we, this show's got, you know, we, we'd hired some very marketable, uh, female athletes. She was very talented, always on time. As far as the spots like that, that post spot. And there's and, Kane. You know, we must've not have been too mad at Eddie or yeah, because he won the, he, he took the fall. I think he has a, uh, an extracurricular activity event, if you will. And that, and that winds up with you guys asking him to, uh, Hey man, we need you to go to rehab. All right. So Kane's coming to the ring. Now I got the intercontinental championship over his shoulder. We haven't really talked about belt designs too much with you, Jim, where were you at on this version of the intercontinental champion belt collectors call it the oval intercontinental Conrad. I'm not even close to your league. I'm not going to offend you by saying I don't give a shit. Okay. But I don't give a shit. Got it. My favorite belt is still the old oh. NWA title belt. The, the Jack Briscoe had and all those cats. Uh, I love that title. Do you own that one? Not the one that flair held, but the one before this, it's, it's not a big gaudy thing. It looks classy. It's got the, 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 the globe on it or something around. Yeah. The, like what uh, Nick Aldis carries today. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. He calls it sweet Charlotte. I think these days, no, I don't, I don't have that one. The original is on Hunter's wall in WWE just outside of his office framed up. You mean to sneak in and get it for you? God damn. Let me clip that out. My, and I need you to make that happen. I still got my card key. Oh, if that works and you can pull that <laughs> off. Can you imagine that? Well, just don't wear the hat and maybe they won't recognize you. Cause probably you know, not. whoever they got sitting at the front desk, probably isn't even a wrestling fan. They better not be if they want to keep their job. <laughs> you don't mean so, that. I don't mean it. I'm kidding. I'm jesting. I'm ingesting this match right now, which I kind of like. Oh, Glenn, Glenn Jacobs is just what a tremendous human being. And one of my best hires, I got lucky. You Sometimes have, you get lucky. You got lucky a lot. But you see a guy that's that big that, and he's athletic. You know, Glenn played college basketball and football. And he said, what does that mean? Does it help him do a better body slam? No dumbass. It means he can move his feet. It means he can protect his opponent. It means he can protect himself better because he's more athletic. He's coordinated. And man, uh, his character is beyond approach. Cause he got handed some shitty creative over the years. Oh my God. He just worked through Dr. Yankum. You kidding me? How about the other? He was diesel for a while too, right? Yep. And he was a Christmas tree once and <laughs> evil dentist. And, and now he's a mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Yeah. 
he, uh, he set a guy on fire uh, who has a show with me. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He used to wear a cowboy hat and Jeff he, Jarrett. I <laughs> mean, the guy does he Jackie Fargo strut. You know, I, I didn't put that together, but you and he both at different times were known for the cowboy hats, one white, one black. Y'all have written your own story, right? I mean, the difference is Conrad. I got over. Oh, I love it. That's tremendous. I'm only kidding. God almighty. I know. It won't sound like when it goes to the internet, Ross says he got over, but Jeff Jarrett didn't. And I think he was serious. I'm not, first of all, I'm not serious. So if you use that as your headline, you're butt fucking stupid. <laughs> butt fucking stupid. Oh my God. Oh, I love you, Jim. It's so Thank fun though, that, that, you know, I, I don't think everybody has figured out you that. Know. Hey, no. Hey, Jeff Jarrett is on the adfreeshows.com network. We're all making money together. Everybody's fine, but they want there to be heat, Jim. I know I have no heat with Jeff Jarrett whatsoever. I, you know, he's a, he's a product of his environment or whatever that means, whatever that's worth. And you can select the, the good traits that you learn from pro wrestling, or you can invest in the bad traits. And, uh, he's just, uh, I got no issues with him. Hope his podcast does great. Adds more money to the kitty. Yep. We're off to a good start too. If you haven't already check it out. My world with Jeff Jarrett is Tuesdays right here on what used to be Westwood one. It's going to take me a while to get used to not calling it that now it's cumulus podcast, but boy, cumulus has been around a long, long time, Jim, and he used to do radio, uh, in Atlanta and. We're proud to say we've dug up some of those old tapes and now they're available at adfreeshows.com. Uh, Bobby Heenan, Randy Savage, on and on and on tons of great guests. And it's all because of uh, our great close personal friend, Mr. Dennis Brent. And we greatly right. thank him for all of his efforts and helping us bring yeah. this to the, uh, the fans at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. I had a great time. A couple of years there, 37 States heard our show every Sunday night at nine o'clock Eastern. If I was doing Falcon football and I was on some away trips, I couldn't get back in time to do it. Uh, Shivani set in for me, which I really appreciated. And it was just a fun show. It was a call in show. We took a lot of calls, you know, I ain't comparing it to busted open or something, but it was a, a local station that had 50,000 watt clear channel clearance. And so the 37 state deal was not me making a, another, uh, ridiculous, uh, overstatement of the pro wrestling business. That's the station's business. That's, that's what they, they promoted it. So it was good. I, my lead in was the Larry Munson show. It was different coaches on there. It was, I think, I think Ray golf was the coach at the Georgia at that time. So I sat through an hour of Ray and Larry talking and Larry making faces, uh, at what Ray golf was saying. If you could only see it, you know, the, the Georgia bulldog nation would have shit their drawers. Uh, but it was a real honor to be, to be friends with Larry Munson. Oh, you Lindsay Scott. Oh, we stuck a hobtail boot in their hearts. Larry Munson. I loved him. Those old radio guys were the greatest. So anyway, that, that show's available. And, uh, I think fans are going to love it. Yeah. The, the worst thing can happen folks. is a goddamn hour. Right, Conrad, and the show's an hour long. 
Yeah, they're short and, uh, you know, it's, it's just cool to go back and hear wrestling sort of in the context of the early nineties. And it's also interesting. I mean, you've talked about this off the air before it's, it's fun to notice just part of being a human, your voice has changed. And so to hear what your voice sounded like 30 years ago, I don't know, man, it takes me back to my childhood. It's cool stuff. Yeah, good. Thank you. I had fun doing that. You know, it was a, I got sponsors and Georgia power. My friend, Bob Hughes were uh, big sponsors of my show and, and it was just fun to do. And we kept everybody stayed in character. I, I listened to a bit of uh, Lawler when Lawler on with Heenan. I think it was a part of the, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure if it's the same episode, but I know for sure that we do have Lawler. We have Heenan. We have uh, savage and savage they, that that one is going to be the one everybody's talking about. I think. Yeah. Uh, especially coming off that controversial presentation on A and E. Yeah. Uh, which a lot of folks really believe was a hatchet job. Me. It sucked. It was terrible. Yeah. Hey, look, I said here on the, on the show, Randy and I did not get along well, right? But neither of us went out of our way to embellish that emotion. I've always said he's a, was an amazingly talented in-ring performer. And he was really, really good. But, uh, he didn't, this issue, Randy's issue was he didn't trust anybody. Let's listen to this. Remember being down in the dungeon with Stu, mm-hmm. just how bad we wanted it, how bad we wanted to make a yeah. name for ourselves in this yeah. business. Yeah. I remember all the time we spent in Japan mm-hmm. in Mexico, in Europe, yeah. all the crap we put up with down South. Yeah. It's all boiled down to tonight. Mm-hmm. Tonight is our night. Yeah. Let's go out there and show them who we are yeah. and why we're here yeah. and what we're all about. Yeah. You got my back? Yeah, you're damn right I got your back. Let's do this, Chris. This is our chance, and it's our only shot. Let's make it count. There it is. We've got our story prepped and ready, and you see that book we just talked about debuting right there, number one. That's a great accomplishment for Mick, and he earned it. Again, remember, he wrote this thing not on a computer, but with a pencil yeah, paper. By hand, yeah, the whole thing. Nice crowd shot. See what a difference it makes. It just makes it feel like a bigger event. So forth. Now this is interesting. First guy out of the shoot, Stone Cold carrying two belts. He he needed to get himself his own Michael Nakazawa to carry his belts around. Can you imagine? No. The unintentional comedy is heavy today here on grilling Jr. Tell a friend. And there he is stone cold, Steve Austin, fresh off the heel turn. And one night prior, he became a tag team champion, both he and triple H. So you assume since he's out first, triple H is next. And the challengers are coming out last. Uh, I don't know. I guess they got to give the fans what they think they want. And that's Austin in the corner. You see him having fun with Hebner here, baby Earl. I noticed earlier that t- tag match. <coughs> Uh, just moments ago, my old friend, Timmy white was, uh, officiating. Well, he's a, he's a salt of the earth. I, I love Timmy white worked hard, took care of Andre in his latter, latter years, which is not easy. You think I'm great. I'm cranky. <laughs> so give me something to drink. Leave him alone. Here's our real life. Manage, action that's how you manage Andre Conrad. Sorry. Bunch of wine. Yeah. Whatever he wanted. 
see how the showbiz side, we've had all these vignettes today. We've had the inclusion of a lot of females. And now we have the inclusion of Stephanie coming to the ring with triple H who has his game face, no pun intended on. So, uh, what's your favorite combo Jr. Well, I like a double cheeseburger and fries. There you go. Sometimes I do replace with onion rings. You know, uh, as a fat guy, I got to admit something. You won't believe I've never tried a combo. I don't think it's my deal. Doesn't look appealing to me. I'm out. Really? Well, not a combo guy. I'll know that the next time I take you to the Sonic. Oh, no, no I don't mean that. I mean, this pay-per-view we're, we're oh. we just ran a promo for the combos, the little snack. Yeah. Not a combo. Oh, guy. No, Connor, I would never eat that. <laughs> I don't know what the protein content, the nitrogens, the oxygens and all that stuff. I'm a health nut, as you know. Well, you know, that's why you've been going to physicallyfit.com and getting some of Kurt Angle's chicken snacks. And you were telling me the other day you even used the promo code AnglePod to save twenty percent off because you're getting your protein damn. coming and going, baby. Damn right. Damn right. You know, Kurt's got fourteen kids, I think, so he's got a few to hold. <laughs> Nation. He, yeah. So, at this point, he probably just hands them all a bag of chicken snacks. Here you go. Kids help a brother out. Will you buy some chicken snacks from Kurt angle angle pod is the promo to use over at physicallyfit.com and you get 20% off your entire order. Uh, no, that's not a paid spot. We're having fun. Somebody on ad free shows is going to complain. They did a commercial. Kurt didn't buy a spot. We're just plugging a buddy after we shoot on combos. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting how these, these, uh, entrances were orchestrated. Yeah. Jericho last man getting the big star treatment. Yeah. And, but the teams are split up. Yeah. And it is a tag team title match. That's right. So old, old fuddy duddies like me might take exception to that, but for the entertainment purpose of the presentation, this worked out pretty good for me. Hey, Connor, I've got a question for you. How many people are going to bitch and moan that we did something featuring Chris Benoit on the show? I haven't seen a ton of bitching about that. Me neither. Well, it's part of history, this, his wrestling career. Yeah. And this is one of the most famous matches in WWE Monday night raw history. So I'm glad we get to uh, talk about it and cover it. And I want to track a little bit of it and uh, just see how you're setting the stage. Tuesday in the lives of Jericho and Benoit, and they are up against the very best tag team in the WWF today, the WWF tag team champion. Steve Austin and the game himself, Triple H. Austin and Triple H enjoying the two-man power trip. Would love to snuff out the opportunity that Benoit and Jericho have here tonight. Get this title defense behind them and move on. you got to believe, at least my speculation, is that Jericho and Benoit got one chance at And that's here and now. Live on Raw. We are going to either witness Austin and Triple H get put to the test and survive, or perhaps a very historic night in sports entertainment history. On a show like this, uh, you know, I guess any show, this is just another Monday for you. This was what you did. How much preparation did you do ahead of time with regards to notes and, and highlighting and all that stuff? Or is there someone who would give you like a first draft? Maybe some suggestions and then you sort of color it in. I did my own coloring. I have my own, I brought my Crayolas from home 
Crayola crayon. You ever eat a crayon? No, I haven't eaten a crayon or a combo. Damn. Uh, no, I, I was kind of a anal on that deal. I just, I like to do my own notes. I like to write them in my own handwriting. I like to highlight with different colors. Every color meant something different. Uh, and every now and then I'd share them with, with when Lawler was and I were working together, albeit knowing that he never read them. Right. He worked better extemporaneously. Totally. Uh, when Heyman and I first started working together, he would sometimes give me setup lines so he could hit his comedy. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's unnatural. It's not, it doesn't feel right. I'll, if I know you've got a joke or a punchline ready to do, let me figure a way to get to it. So it's more organic. Sure. Still do your thing that you want to do. Let's just get there in a different, different route. So I, I took a lot of notes, but you know, look, I, I was managing these guys. I was a head, head of town relations. I was, you know, all that stuff. I was, I was never away from the business. So I knew everything about these dudes. Uh, and I stayed plugged in. I stayed emotionally invested and all four of these guys were big time, uh, contributors under my, I was lucky that I was there at the right place, right time with these guys. And I know boy, Austin, he, he, uh, he loved the physicality of Benoit. Benoit had one gear. Right. Very, very aggressive Conrad. So Austin's in first guy in the tag match, as we should have established moments ago, but he's getting his ass whipped. He's, he's putting the shine on Benoit. Benoit's all offense and Austin is selling like a, as I said before, a drunk man. So the start of this match is very explosive and dynamic and Benoit and Austin starting it out to me, I've, I've, I believe, and I might be naive that this is a dream pairing for a lot of fans. Oh, for sure. To see Austin and Benoit go one-on-one in this tag match, starting it out for their team. Had you, um, I mean, if you had to sort of rack your brain and think about it, who would have been the agent for a match like this in this era? Um, just a wild guess, maybe Jack Lanza, black Jack Lanza. Was he a favorite of Steve's? Yeah. Yeah. But he was a good agent, right? Uh, he was a good, and very reliable. I talked to Jack Lanza at certain times during my, when I was booking the house shows and things hell more than I talked to Jan some weekends. Sometimes it's hard to herd the chickens. Triple H in referee's back turn, steel chair shot. That was a nice move by triple H. I don't know where you are. Conrad. He just knocked the chair off the apron. Yep. And we got a two count here from Austin. Yeah. yeah, And it gave Benoit the chance to look stronger by being able to kick out. Yes. It was the interference or pull him off the pile or whatever it was. So it shows you that, uh, Austin was more than willing to give Benoit the shine because it makes what Austin's doing now, which is retaliating and kicking the hell out of Benoit mean more. It's the ebb and flow of storytelling. You put the shine on the guy, you make him, you, you, you glorify him. And then you 
you take advantage. So the effectiveness you have then is enhanced. I, I know this, man. Nobody, Ben Wall just went to the steps. Yeah. I don't remember anybody taking that bump more violently than Chris Ben Wall. Well, Foley. Foley and him stick out. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs. You're right. My goodness, man. Foley would do it sometimes, and you're like, man, does he know that he didn't have to do this? This is. Yeah. Well, Mick always wanted to give everybody their money's worth. And he, he did. Until he, he walked out of the. After his last match. So now we've got Benoit is a cell mode. Jericho has yet to be tagged in. They've isolated Benoit. Sometimes on commentary, especially on AEW, I'll make this mention because we seem to have a lot of tag matches when you can isolate one of your opponents away from his or her corner, you essentially make it a two on one handicap match, right? So it's key to protect the tag and not allow the tag. In this case, Benoit to tag in Jericho. How was Hebner regarded in this era of the WWF? Of course, he's rather controversial back in 97. Uh, but uh, of course we know not too terribly longer, much longer than this. He's going to fall out of favor with the company. You know, one, was he a favorite of Austin and triple H and guys like that? Yeah, They, they relied on him. It, it, he was reliable. That's my point. And, uh, consistent. He counted the same way every time, uh, you know, maybe Earl had been around long enough to know where to be and when to be there. And, and sometimes you forgot he was even in the match, which is great. So now Austin's got the tag back in. They've done a nice job of isolating Benoit for an extended length of time. But now as heels do, they're showing uh, no, as Gordon Sully would say, no surcease as Austin takes a cheap shot at Jericho, which gives the heels more of an opportunity to double team and, and cheat. It's all behind the referee's back, which is also a lost art in many, many companies. Absolutely. Because we got to get our shit in Conrad. It doesn't matter if we just rape the match and make everybody involved in the process. Look like a fucking idiot. Let's just, uh, act like we don't have a referee, that this is not a sporting event. It's the rockets. Oh, look at this old school. I love this spot. The abdominal stretch, grabbing your, your tag team partner's hand, get a little extra leverage, a little more torque on the midsection of uh, Benoit here. That's old school. I love it. Yeah. And Earl was, uh, blocked from the seeing Austin cheat. Jericho comes down to remind the referee. There's some cheating going on. So that gives Earl the chance to get Jericho back to his corner and allow the heels to cheat more. It's just psychology. Like you said, Connor, so simple. Yeah. An oldie, but a goodie. And there you go. I love, I love when, uh, when Earl used to kick their, uh, kick their hands to break the hole. That's good stuff, man. First guy I saw do that was Tommy young in a flare match. I believe it. Yeah. Rick was very generous with Tommy young because Tommy was the Earl Hebner of his era in, in JCP. Jim Crockett promotions, but Earl was the go-to, you know, we had good referees. Sean mentioned earlier, Timmy white was there. Oh yeah. Kyoto's there. Corderas was there. There's a lot of good ones. A lot of real good, a lot of real good men, real good people. 
you know, I know Kyoto's Kyoto still does some ad free shows work. Yep. Uh, every other week here on adfreeshows.com and he alternates with uh, Gerald Briscoe. You think we got some stars over here in ad free or what? And you're the booker of the bookers. You're the Sam Mustick and Paul Bosch all rolled into one. And we're not done. We got another one up our sleeve coming soon. Oh. Yeah, put them on fucking Thursday where you can give them all the promotion you can. <laughs> I see one more goddamn Jeff Jarrett promo on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna have to change my depends. You know, as we're recording this, uh the show is three days old. We're trying to promote it, Bubba. What show? Jeff Jarrett's show. Oh, I, I thought I put it over pretty good earlier. No, you did. It's just funny. You're like, I'm so goddamn tired. <laughs> He's already ingratiated himself. The guys that do the traffic is ubiquitous on the, on promotion. I'm just jealous. There goes Benoit. How long has Benoit been selling? Ooh, get out of the way. Jr. you fat ass. Yeah. Things are really starting to pick up now. Oh man. A little bit of a miscommunication there. A bit of a ref pump. Let's, uh, let's start to track it. Things are going to pick up. We're picking, we're cooking with gas. Jericho has the ability to change gears, Conrad. And if you don't have the, the second gear, the next gear, whatever you want to call it, uh, you have a hard time being successful. All four of these men in this match were blessed with the ability to have a second gear. Oh man. How about that? Look, like it was going to be a thuzz press and nope. He turns it into the walls of Jericho and here comes the injury spot. Let's track it. can see he's dragging the leg right away favoring yep. that left knee but he knows man there's only three minutes left we got to finish the match and what was planned the old famous table spot he's doing it on one leg here jim yeah it's amazing again triple h gets so lambasted because of how he married and wrestling fans think they have a privy well he's a public figure we could talk about his marriage or whatever i don't i just don't buy into that shit track it yeah. I, I can't imagine the pain Triple H must have been in taking the walls of Jericho with a torn hamstring that already rolled up his leg. Your whole quadricep muscle has rolled up and you're laid out 
in the walls of Jericho on a table and it's right in front of you. And oh, there's the stunner on Benoit. Let's listen to your call to finish here. The crowd is with it, man. They were going to let anybody kick out of the stunner. No. It's unbelievable, man. So the old sledgehammer came into play, but not in a good way for stone cold and uh, triple H, but a dream come true for two young Canadian boys that did a lot of training and under the Stu Hart's uh, guidance and the Hart family's guidance. Great night for them. I need Damn. to get more into these things when I do these calls, Conrad. Buddy, you were on your shit, man. That was <laughs> Thank you. that was vintage JR right there. That was great. People wonder sometimes, well, JR, you don't sound as excited as you used to. It's a matter of the music you're hearing. Does that make any sense to you? What do you mean? In other words, I said before, and I believe this for me, that the wrestlers will always create the music and the announcers are obligated to create the proper lyric. Sometimes the lyric needs a little help because you're not hearing the music that the, that you, that you want to hear. And, uh, I've been guilty of that. And even in, in since my time in AEW, I just, I got a, I'm learning a new style. I'm working with two other guys. I'm not making excuses saying, here's what the deal is. It, we, it takes time to get good at the three man team. Uh, Excalibur and Tony and I are still working and working on that. And we enjoy working together, but you got to hear the right music. You know, words, that atmosphere right there. You can't, you can't not get into it as an announcer. Uh, that was a, that was a memorable night. And unfortunately the exhilaration of the main event was obviously, uh, hampered by by a triple H's injury because at that time, you know, you weren't sure until you saw the severity of the tear, was it a total tear whatever. And, but you know, the, then it was generally considered you're going to be out six or eight months with that injury. At least that's my experience with it. So, uh, it was a bittersweet night to say the least, but going back and hearing those calls, uh, were, were fun to me. And it also lets you know how good Heyman was. Heyman, Heyman, like all of us egomaniacs, none of us want to be upstaged by our partner. Just don't. Except if it's in marriage. Then do all the jobs you can. Because it's just required of a good marriage. 
the man does the jobs. So uh, it was fun. It was a fun show. I'm glad we, I'm glad we, we, we picked that one. Not just because of the injury, but that main event itself was, you go back and watch this again, or you haven't seen it. That tag match is worth uh, taking a good long gander at Conrad. It was such a great match. And I kind of forgot how action packed the last, I don't know, we'll call it four minutes were. man, that was just one after another. It's about as good of tag team wrestling as you could see with guys who aren't normally tag teams, you know, when, when you're working together all the time and for lack of a better word, you have reps. So you're together every night, you travel every day, you're working a lot of the same spots together. We're talking midnight express and rock and roll express or FTR or young bucks or whatever. These guys were essentially four singles wrestlers paired together in makeshift tag teams, but dude, they created magic on this night. Did they not? They did create magic and because they're all skilled professionals, their skill sets were advanced and enhanced and refined. So this matter then of incorporating your skill set into a tag environment. And, uh, we tried to, I tried to outline some of those points of the psychology in the early part of that match where, uh, you know, Ben wall got isolated from Jericho prevented from making a tag. Uh, you got a nice shine on Ben wall early that Austin sold like crazy. Uh, then the tags were starting to come from the heel side. It was just really, really good. And, uh, but then again, at the end, uh, you know, that sledgehammer thing, uh, was Austin's out. That was his reason for losing and taking the fall. So, uh, but here again, you know, from me and my talent relations role, okay. Rock somewhere making a movie, the top baby face I've ever had in my life booking wise is a heel. And now a guy that could either be a top baby face or a top heel is going on the IR the injured reserve because of torn quad, you know, we need people to step up and I don't know. You can look back at it and say what you, what you feel, but I'm not so sure Conrad that we did a great job. We need to get somebody hot. They need to be vignetted. They need to get wins. Nothing supplants getting somebody over any more than a win and a win with their finish, not banana peels spread all over the ring or the quick one, the small package. I kick out at three and a half, uh, all that shit to take care of the other guy's ego. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I already thought that was a great psychological outing. And if you go back and look at it in that regard, you, you understand the principles of tag team wrestling much better. Well, we hope that you understand the principles of great barbecue. And that includes going over to jrsbbq.com. There's something for everybody. And, uh, Jim, you've, you've had such great success this year. There's almost been a run on the store. What's yeah. the latest and greatest. What are the hot items over at jrsbbq.com? I think as we're recording this, we're getting closer to getting our seasoning back in place. We've already got a backup order on tap. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm looking for another, uh, see, I can take that recipe and just have another company manufacture, have another company, uh, tweak it a little bit. Uh, and, uh, but we need to get a vendor in Oklahoma or closer to us that we can communicate with better, i.e. walk into their store or shop or their manufacturing facility. Uh, we're going to be in great shape on original, uh, hot barbecue, the ketchup and the, the mustard. We find out what's getting over. We talk about what's getting over and the mustard's got over and the seasoning's gotten over. 
Uh, and then, you know, you were mentioning that you found the old arresting with Jim Ross shows on, from WSB radio, which I'm just really, I'm just really happy about, uh, it warms my heart. And I thank Dennis Brent for, for working with us on that deal. Dennis recorded every show I ever did every show. He's got them all. And soon I'm sure Conrad, you're going to have them all. Hope so. so it's it's going to be fun. And if somebody goes through there and listens to them, you're going to find some nuggets that are very, promo very promotion worthy. Uh, but that we just found in my office in a, in two or three boxes, original copies of, uh, JR's cookbook. Oh, wow. It's been out of print forever. Yeah. Uh, and I saw uh, my friend, uh, Stephen link, who runs my website, jrsbbq.com again, uh, obnoxiously mentioned, uh, that, uh, uh, I guess he saw it on eBay. Some of those books were selling for $800 a piece. Now we're not going to do an $800 book on our website, but we are getting ready to do a package that includes it's a kind of a book package. Because the paperbacks are now, they're affordable. They don't cost as much to ship, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but the, here's the problem. I think I got like 50 of those cookbooks, but I think that's what we found 50. That's all we got. So I'm, I'm, if they sell well, I can go back to Simon and Schuster and get them to do a reprint, you know, modernize it a little bit, change a few things. I might even add some new stories, new copy. So, uh, but that, that offer is going to be on our website. We have something different there about every day. So as I say all the time, it doesn't cost anything to look and we are grateful and appreciate your business. We absolutely do. And we hope you'll check out everything happening over at jrsbbq.com and that you'll get all these shows we've talked about early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. We'll be back with you every single Thursday for free right here on Cumulus podcast, but we hope that you'll check us out and get some of this extra bonus content, including what I have been told is the funniest piece of content we've ever created after hours with yourself, Tony Schiavone, and of course, Eric Bischoff, plus the studio sessions, your old radio show on WSB. There's something for everybody right now, Jim. Yeah, it's fun. Good time. I said this before on different platforms. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. We, we all bitch and moan about this, that, and the other, because we we're, we're hypersensitive. We love the product. And when I see negative tweets or whatever's, I just strike it as that's just someone's display of passion. Right. And maybe they don't have the, the skill set to articulate their feelings any more than going low road and going negative, negative, negative. But I do think that their passion is in place. And as long as that's still there, our businesses should our, our this business here that we're doing now and our business on TV should be strong. Because the fans give a shit and they want to get involved and they want to participate with their opinion. And, and another thing and final deal is that because of the internet and shows like this, uh, and others, obviously that people have more knowledge, they're getting some, some classroom work, so to speak on some of these things, and then they could better, uh, evaluate the business and express their opinions. So I had no problem with that. Just. It's just not, I'm not angry, ever angry at the messenger. I, I, I go off on it sometimes just for the hell of entertainment purposes, but, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not ever against anybody expressing their opinion. That's a right. We shouldn't screw with that. It's just the manner in which is 
their, their feedback is presented sometimes is, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, but we love them anyway. We, we, we don't hate anybody. No. And, uh, we appreciate everybody's business. We absolutely do. Yeah. All right, Conrad, what are you going to do today? Well, I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to get record. I'm, I'm hanging up with you and uh, going to do a little bit of show prep. And later today, we're talking all things, Kurt angle. He also is a part of the adfreeshows.com network and uh, his show drops here on cumulus podcasts every Sunday. So get your week started, right. And, uh, spend Sunday mornings with Kurt and myself. We're talking all things, 2001, just like we were earlier today on Jr. So there's something for everybody, including we just did an interview with Randy Orton and uh, we don't do a lot of interviews on the network here, Jim, but I think you've recently said that you thought Randy Orton's probably the best overall performer in the game these days, right? Well, he's, he, if he's not, and of course it's subjective. It's only my opinion. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there right now, but I don't think anybody's any better than Randy Orton in the wrestling business. And of course that's so subjective and my God, it's like saying who's the greatest left-hander in baseball history. Well, Sandy Koufax, or you know what I'm saying? Right. Greatest right-hander, uh, Nolan Ryan. So, uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, a I, 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 I like, I love Randy's work. And although I don't watch it regularly enough to make a great evaluation in the last several months that I have tuned in to watch, uh, some of Randy's segments, he doesn't disappoint. He doesn't disappoint no matter how the creative is packaged to him. He doesn't disappoint. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there's Kenny Omega fans out there would say, well, Omega's the best wrestler in the world. Some will, and they got the right to their opinion. And I'm not going to argue it. Omega is really frigging good. So, uh, in any event, it's, it's a good time to be a fan. A lot of great talent out there, improving their game, adapting, adding things. Uh, so it's a, I'm having the time of my life. I love this show. I really I love the folks that tune in every week. They watch it early and ad free. It's kind of cool. I get, I, I get immediate feedback, man, immediate feedback. Either they like the show or they didn't like the show. And I, I love their feedback because that means they're listening. And if we're, if you're listening, then oh Conrad and I get a little win out of that deal. Yeah, we do. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. We hope we've earned it and uh, tell your friends about your new favorite podcast. It's grilling Jr. with the voice of wrestling. Mr. Jim Ross right here, baby box of gimmicks.com. Can't, can't sell enough. Sell, sell, sell. But seriously, we we love you guys. Thanks for supporting us. It's nice to look on the podcast rankings globally and see your show being recognized. Uh, and that, that means good things. We accomplished something great team effort. And somehow we endure Stan Morris. I didn't fucking know you hired the handicap, but I admire you for it, by the way. I think it's wonderful uh, that you're so soft-hearted and wonderful and that you had the Svengali ability to have him move to Huntsville. Yeah, it's been a fun year, and it's going to keep rolling next week right here on Grillin' JR. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> 
Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.